Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Hey friends, it's Danny J, and I wanted to give a quick intro, a little bit more information on this next guest who I had the pleasure of interviewing and just chatting with, Allison Bird. Uh, Allison is also known as the Profit Accelerator, and she is celebrated as one of the world's most trusted leadership advisors and sales experts for entrepreneurs and small business owners. She and her team have coached 7,500 entrepreneurial leaders to create $260 million in new revenue over the past nine years. She's been in Time Money, Forbes, Yahoo Finance, CNBC, MSN, NPR, Black Enterprise, Essence, Entrepreneur.com, and her latest feature with USA Today was released just a few weeks ago. And you will also be able to hear more of her journey to success from an underprivileged life on food stamps, a dad in prison, a single mom raising two kids to the ultra-passionate, successful leader she is today, and the undeniable stand she has for women rising into their greatness in her latest collaboration with Amazon Prime TV this spring. I'm super excited about that. I love how Allison is really pushing for women to own their worth, to make more money, and to be unapologetic about it. Allison is also creator of a new movement for women called Think Your Way Rich, and today she's here to get unstuck and calls and she calls borrowed money beliefs and lead us to unapologetic riches. So buckle your seatbelts and get ready for more clients and cash flow. Anyway, love this episode. Allison was so fun. Uh, she just made it really inspiring. And I know she made me more pumped about just being unapologetic about going after what I want, going after money. So check out the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. It is Danny J, and I am in the studio of Natalie Jill. You guys may remember her from one of our episodes, and um, I have a really special guest. It's actually not Natalie Jill. It is my friend, Allison Bird. Allison, welcome. I am so excited to be on with you right now. I feel like for every person that's listening their world is about to get shooketh. Like, I feel <laughs> yes. like they're going to be like, wait, I thought I was just going to listen to a little edutainment, a little education, a little entertainment, but it's about to get lit on this pod. So I think it's going to be epic. Oh my gosh. I already, I believe you because I've just been with you for the last like hour and we've been chatting and I wish that we just had the record button on the whole time because you have so much stuff already. So so excited that you're here. Um, if you guys don't know Alison Bird, she is known as the Profit Accelerator and so many things. And you heard about that in the intro, but um, you just left your life in San Antonio and you're moving out to LA, but let's go back just a little bit and give me a little background on your business. And then we'll go kind of more life story in just a minute too. Sure. So when I started in the world of business, I didn't even know how to spell entrepreneur. I couldn't get, yeah. Where does the U go, the E, the, like you get so confused, but a friend of mine said, Hey, you keep getting fired. So why don't you decide to start your own company? And I said, well, what would that look like? As though she knew she wasn't an entrepreneur, but she started kind of just talking through some ideas. And you know how it is when you get with girlfriends, you believe them. 
And I borrowed her faith in me and I decided to create a business. So I started a business. I'm going to do air quotes, even though you all can't see me. And the business was a $35 book. Now, what did I think I was going to live on with a $35 book? But very quickly, I had a mentor who said to me, make it a package, make it an experience. Mm. Well, I thought, okay, so I put a CD with it. So now it was a whole $50. So this was back when people still had CD players in their car. They still had CD players in general. (laughs) And I said, okay, $55. If I sell a hundred of these a week, (laughs) then I can have some kind of lifestyle. So obviously that made no sense. Wait, real quick, I'm curious. What was this book on? Okay, so the book was called When God Takes a Bath. Oh, interesting. (laughs) And the book was based on, or the title was based around, the fact that my mother always made us these delicious baths. And I always knew when we had... um, like money in the house when the bath smelled like Mm. roses. And sometimes my mother would put milk in there and fresh flowers. But even when we didn't have provision, my mother would still make a great warm bath. It would just smell like Dawn dish soap to make the bubbles. (laughs) Right, right. You know, and one day I said to God, I believe in God, divinity, universal intelligence, however you acknowledge great source and light power. And, um, I said one day to God, I wish I could please you. I just wish that you could feel how I feel when I sink in a bath and all worry feels like it washes away. Mm. And I felt like I heard God speak back to me and say, you know, what feels like a bath to me? And I said, what? And again, I'm having a dialogue with, some people would call it an internal dialogue, Mm -hmm. a supernatural dialogue. And I heard this voice speak back and say, when you laugh from your gut with true joy and happiness, feels like a bath to me. Mm. When you are the most authentic expression of who I designed you to be, feels like a bath to me. When you are kind to someone that is in need, that feels like a bath to me. And so this dialogue went on and on and on until it became a book. And I wrote about how humans being their most authentic self is the best reflection back to divinity. And it was called When God Takes a Bath, How You Bring Joy and energy and bliss and light into the world. So that's what When God Takes a Bath is about. So good. That message too is so interesting because you wrote this back when people were playing CDs Mm. and it is such a big message now that people like be authentic and be your true self. And that message just keeps going now. And like, there you go. You had it early on. Yeah. I was very clear. I was very clear on the message. Uh I wasn't clear on the method. Yes. And I think often we get a download, but we don't know the how to. And our responsibility, in my opinion, Danny, is that we take our download 
And then we bring ourselves into our own form of stillness, whatever that is for us. For some of us, it could be prayer. For some of us, it could be going for a walk. For other people, it could be an ayahuasca ceremony. You know, it could be a mushroom journey. It could be anything. Uh, It could be a glass of wine that just kind of gets you into a relaxed state where you can actually breathe and hear Mm -hmm. what's up for you. So I wrote this book. I take it into the market. And then I went to an event that said, you can create a course around your content. Mm. And I thought, well, how am I going to do that? Well, I had been a training writer and developer for a bank. So I thought, I think I can take that practical knowledge and bring it over. And I thought, well, how am I going to enroll people? Well, the way that I decided to enroll people was how I knew to sell smartly for individuals, which was how I saw my mother sell growing up Tupperware parties. Nice. Now you got to be a certain age to remember a Tupperware party, but you'd invite your girlfriends over, you'd cook a meal, then you demonstrate and then people would buy. And then the hostess got to get their little party gifts and all the things. So I thought if I have a product that's 600 bucks or so. And my product, I decided to make it 695 included the book, the CD and a four week coaching series with me based on the book and CD. If I had friends in areas where I lived, I lived in San Antonio. If you know, if you know, Texas, San Antonio, Austin, Houston, Dallas are close. I had family in Oklahoma that was driving distance. Like I looked at where I could go And I started asking people, can you bring together 10 or 15 women who want to, you know, make a difference? And I would do like a book reading like I'd seen on C-SPAN or something like that. And I would do a reading and then I would make an offer. I didn't have any offer training, any, anything, but I started enrolling 10 people per party. Wow. So I was making about seven grand per party. I was doing them on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Wow. Wow. And I was doing them every single weekend. That was the start to the monetization of my business. So cool. That is so brilliant that you came up with this. And I'm curious, how did you deliver the four-week coaching? I did it over the phone. So just freeconferencecall.com had an upgrade that Mm -hmm. you could do, I think, for 10 bucks, just so it wouldn't say freeconferencecall.com when you dialed in. I bought that for 10 bucks. And by the way, I remember signing up for that $10 monthly commitment and being so scared I couldn't honor it. Mm. I remember being so afraid that I wouldn't make 10 bucks a month in my business. Um, but that was my first investment was my $10 free conference call. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have so many, uh, entrepreneurs that are on here and they're starting to do online business and there's costs, you know, associated with that, right? You got your Aweber or MailChimp or whatever. You've got $30 a month here. You've got your web hosting stuff there. And there is this fear of like, putting the money out and not getting it back. So what was your like mindset behind that? Was that a motivation for you to make the, make the sales? Actually, um, the biggest motivation, I listened to a CD. Mm -hmm. I, okay. So let's just back up for just a second. I needed some cash because I believe you cannot be the light if you're worried about your light bill. So I needed some cash and I needed an infusion of that. When I started my business, my credit score was probably about 470. 
So I didn't have any financial literacy. I also was very low on my own emotional intelligence. So that combination was not really good for starting an empire. Let's just be clear. <laughs> and I said, what am I going to do? And I met someone who was starting in a network marketing organization. I started in that network marketing organization and decided I was going to make $50,000 in 90 days. It took me about 110 days to do it, but I made that $50,000. And that gave me the breathing room to be the first investor for my idea. Wow. I really don't call it a business. It was really an idea that I monetized because yep. it wasn't a business yet. It had no infrastructure, had no systems of support. There were no standard operating anything. There were no best practices. There was just me. And if I took a break, there was no business. If I had sex, there was no business. If I took a nap, there was no business because I was the business. So I did that. And then what I decided to do was I said, okay, I need help. And I ended up in this network marketing business, staying overnight at one of the people that I sponsored their house. There was a CD set and that CD set had Allie Brown and David Nagel on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clapping over here. I have an Allie Brown story, but yes, I love her. Okay. So Allie Brown, for those of you that may not know, she's kind of like the godmother of those of us women that start online business. And so probably about 20 years ago, she was everything to everybody. Yes, like you yes. wanted to be Allie. Well, this was my first meeting with her through this CD. And what she said on the CD was, get rid of your non-income producing activities. Mm. And she said, if you do laundry, stop. If you go to the grocery store, stop. If you run to the office store for pens every day because you want to be distracted instead of being profitable, stop. She said, hire a personal assistant today. And I thought to myself, what? Yeah. I, I, I just signed up for $10 a month with free conference call. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, and how? Yeah. How? Mm -hmm. So she said in this, and I've never forgotten it, and also I've never stopped doing it. She said, when your personal assistant is working for you, those are your sales hours. So I hired a PA to work for me three hours a week, two days a week. So that was, uh, and she said, pay them well mm. because you want to be paid well. So pay them well. So I said, I was going to pay my personal assistant $25 an hour, two days a week, three hours a day. So $75 a day. Talk about scared out of my mind. Totally. That's but huge. Danny, <laughs> the first day I did my itemized list of what I wanted her to do. Shout out to Tamika Brown. I love you. Um, I wrote what I wanted her to do, sent her on her way. I think she was going to do my car registration. I think she was going to grocery shop for me, pick up my dry cleaning, do a couple of things. The first call I made, I did a $33,000 contract. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> first call I made. So at that point, I knew that I was on the right track. Yep. And I knew, I think that uh, Tamika was there on Monday. I picked up that $33,000 check 
on Friday. The other thing that I did was I remembered she said, get rid of the non-revenue producing activities. And I thought to myself, can I employ somebody to fulfill this contract? Called a colleague of mine and I said, listen, I have this contract. This is what I want you to do. Are you willing to come in? I'll bring you in town. They said, yes, but I think you need this secondary person. I said, what will you charge? They said, 1800 The other person is going to charge 2000 So for $3,800, I outsourced the gig and I took the rest as profit. Amazing. Love this story already. I think that sometimes we think that we have to be successful before we can hire, but it sounds like what Ali was saying, what you're saying is sometimes you have to do the hire and have the faith maybe before you get the, what do you think? It, what do you think it is? Do you need to have the faith? Do you need to wait? What advice would you give? You know, I say two things. Number one, the answer to who doesn't always have to be you. Mm. So whenever you ideate around something, whenever you look at how does it get executed, ask yourself, am I always putting myself in the driver's seat when I don't have to be? So give yourself space to have freedom. I believe that entrepreneurship is the courage and the will to live out the big idea for your life. But most people lose sight of the big idea because they get caught up in the day-to-day minutia of execution. So they get out of being in the clouds of downloading all the great things and they just get into the every day, I gotta do this, I gotta answer the phone, I gotta be the janitor, I gotta be the person that answers the phone, you know, all the things. Um, I think that the other thing that I would say to anyone is consider for yourself, what is the vision that I have for where I'm going and always make sure that you're graduating into that version of yourself that makes that vision come to reality. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I think that we will often, particularly as women, so I'm gonna just talk to my girls here. As women, we get caught up in what is today. And I believe that fear is the belief that what you have today is better than anything you could create tomorrow. So. It's really eliminating your future when you're in fear. So give yourself the release and whatever that takes for you. For some people, it could be running. For some people, it could be meditation. For some people, it can be soul cycle. For some people, it can be therapy. For some people, it can be life coaching. For some people, it's all of the above. I swear, if you look at my calendar, you would think I'm Lulu between how many meetings I have with my life coach, my shaman, my therapist, um, my business coach, my executive coach with me and my business partner, all to walk me through what it takes to be this version of myself. I didn't come from money, but just because I didn't come from money doesn't mean money isn't meant to come through me. Mm. I am first generation wealth and I take that responsibility um, and my responsiveness to that responsibility seriously. And so I've got to be the best version of me. And the best version of me is not living in the wouldas, not living in the shouldas, and not living in the couldas. It's getting the roster of people around me, therapists and prayer warriors and meditation experts and Reiki healers and physical manipulation and all the things that you need to move that energy through you so that you can be the change that you know you were born to be in the world. 
I love hearing this. I'm just sitting here getting so pumped. I So I have so many questions and I want to get to, let's go back a little bit because you said you didn't come from money. Mm. And so I see you sitting here as this powerful woman saying all these things that I can imagine some listeners going, how did you even think of that? How did you come up with that? So let's go back to where did you come from? How did you see money growing up? What was your life? What did it look like? And then what were the shifts that you made to start thinking this way besides maybe listening to Allie Brown CDs? How did that look like from little baby Allison to starting to shift and think I deserve wealth or I can be wealthy? Because being a woman in America, being a black woman in America, like you have a lot of, we have all these things against against us, right? These, you're not growing up being told that you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So how did you, like, what was your lifestyle like coming up? And then how did you get into this space now? Well, I did grow up with people telling me I was going to be successful. Amazing. Um, but their definition of success was different. And so success for them meant go get a job at the water company, go get a job at the light company, go get a job at wherever and be stable, right? And so that probably would have put me in a category of about 30 or something thousand dollars a year. And that would have been a really good sustained level of success. They were not telling me you're going to be in the top 1% um, of society. They were not telling me that Allison, one day your name is going to be Googleable. First of all, Google didn't exist. But when I look at my realities today, you Google my name with Forbes, you Google my name with NPR, you Google my name with Time Money. Uh, you know, we have a new collaboration coming out with Amazon Prime uh, that's incredible. Um, features on Black Enterprise, Essence Magazine. I never would have thought those things would be my reality. I couldn't dream that way. I was on food stamps and so I loved waiting for the first of the month because I knew my mother's mood would change because food stamps came in. So I knew that that little book, so this was before an EBT card and you got this book of paper money just for food and I was so excited about it because I knew that meant my mom was in a good mood, we had what we needed in the house, we were sustained and so that was really the thing that I sought more than anything. Um, and it makes my heart really sad when I think about dropping out of high school at 15 years old. One of the biggest reasons was I was tired of not having bus fare Mm. and bus fare was 20 cents plus a transfer, which was five cents. And there were too many days we didn't have it. I hated that. I really, really hated that. And I... I hated that that was our life. And I hated that my mother couldn't see beyond it. And something happens in you when you grow up around so much love, but you're limited in other things. And I started just thinking, what if one day I could change that dynamic? And the first vision that I had for that was when I worked at McDonald's. And they said, you can go to McDonald's University and you can become a manager. And I thought, oh, that's my breakout. <laughs> like, like, this is going to happen for me. I was so ready for that. And one day I was on um, the microphone at McDonald's and the GM, somebody had flown in and 
They said, you got to listen to Allison. She's amazing. She's our best order taker. She moves the drive through like nobody's business. And they were so excited. And I said, welcome to Mickey D's. I'm so glad you're here. May I take your order? Right. And I go through the upsell process and I do this and he pulls me off Danny and he says, this is not Mickey D's. This is McDonald's. And you are not representing the brand correctly. Oh, jeez. That was the first time that I got introduced to the idea of autonomy. Mm. And that I wanted a sense of freedom. Because I thought, mother effer, get out of my face. Like, do you not understand? I am the rock star of McDonald's. <laughs> of Mickey D's. <laughs> like, move. Wow. And I was so upset by that. But that, I needed that. And for anyone listening, oftentimes what brings us our grit to go for our greatness are people who prod us like that. And sometimes we walk away with a conversation. I could have walked away with, I'm not enough. I could have walked away with, just never say Mickey D's again, but I didn't. I walked away saying, I don't want anybody to tell me that. I want to be in control of my destiny. And so I pursued that. I went back to high school. I graduated. I realized I did not love higher education. I didn't love college. But somebody invited me to a personal development program that was four days it was $400. I'd never spent that much money on myself in my life. I asked 10 people to give me $40. My mother gave me 80. She said, I'll be two people, baby, Aww. whatever this is you need. <laughs> and she said, I just hope it makes you happy. And that was the first time I got introduced to limitless living, to possibility, to the fact that we are the designers of our destiny. That was the first time that I went, wait a minute, I'm trapped between a dream and a job, a career and a calling, and there's a pathway out. And I started to change my dialogue around success. So before I could ever have a conversation about money, I had to have first have new conversations around achievement and around success and what that looked like for me. And that was the introduction to a new way of being. And I've never looked back since. So amazing. Um, I think personal development is huge. And it's interesting that you had that so early on. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people, um, they hit a really hard roadblock or something in their life and they're forced into personal development. And it sounds like you were kind of there, but also you were invited into it. What were the first like when you first got into personal development, what were the first really big, um, like mental roadblocks that you, or hurdles that you had to overcome? Whether was it belief? In, Cause it sounds like you had a lot of belief in yourself, but was there like money roadblock beliefs? Was there like, what kind of blocks did you have early on? My biggest block was my own inhibition around my physical self. Mm. So I was about 350 pounds or so. And, um, I tried out for the biggest loser, didn't make it onto the biggest loser. And so then they came back to me, the producers really loved me. So they came back to me for extreme weight loss makeover, yep. something like that. I don't know if you guys remember that season of like the swan and like all those makeovers. And they said to me, you're too happy of a fat person. Whoa. <laughs> they were like, we really need you to be disgusted with your weight. 
So I said, well, what do I do? So they had me push up the seat in my car and pretend like I couldn't fit. They had me cry with my fiance. They had him tell me, I don't want to make love to you (gasps) because you're overweight. Like all this to try to evoke this experience so that I could get on TV. And even in that, they were like, nope, you still don't come across miserable (laughs) enough. I'm dying. I'm so glad you shared this. It's so funny. I auditioned to be a trainer at The Biggest Loser. Ah. And I was actually doing a pilot for a show where there was this, I was in Vegas. I grew up in Vegas and it was this fat Elvis. And they had me go to his house and they took me in one room and they were telling me stories about what he was doing. And then they took him in another room and told me some other things. So we ended up getting in this fight and I was so upset. And I, I remember just leaving going, I don't, I was so upset with this guy, but they were trying to get a reaction for the TV. And I left there going, I don't know if I could do this reality TV because I, I found out when I talked to him after I asked him like the truth and they go, no, they, the producers told me this about you. And I was like, that's not true. And I said, they told me this about you. And it's interesting how much so much is contrived mm-hmm. that is really under the name of reality totally TV. that yeah. is fascinating yeah so how did you get through that did you learn to self-accept and this is a really great topic too because we have you know so I think that stops a lot of people you know we do have a lot of trainers on here too where maybe think well I'm not in good enough shape yet to do what I want to do or I don't you know I want to speak on stages but I need to lose however many pounds first so how did yeah. you break through that So Psychology Today released a study that said women are confident internally, but when it comes to being seen, they are always picking themselves apart. And I believe that that inhibition stops too many people. And in my opinion, stops a lot of women from getting to their money, whether that's acne breakouts on their skin uh, teeth that have something's happened to their teeth over time. Um, it, I've heard Asian women talk about their eyes, you know, black women talk about the color of their skin, how dark it is or how light it is, the coils in their hair. Uh, you know, all Jewish women talk about the curve in their nose. Um, you know, women that don't have large breasts that say, I feel too flat chested, like all these inhibitors that have nothing to do with our giftedness and our contribution to the world. And so for me, mine just happened to be weight. But for a lot of women, they could name it all kinds of things. And what I looked at was, number one, I had to do a few things. Number one, I had to accept where I was and just own that. So I had to decide how I wanted to own that. And I wanted to own it through comedy. I thought it was just really funny to embrace it. So every time I got on stage, because my inhibition was my weight, I would talk about it. Mm. So I would always put it to the front. Um, And that was the way that I had my first layer of acceptance. My second layer of acceptance was to do something about it. So I had weight release surgery and that really worked for me. I released 90 pounds off my body. Then when my mother got sick, and went into hospice before her ascension, that really threw me off of my diet, my meal plan, my physical movement. I had more years not eating well, not treating my body well than I did in my new habits. Mm -hmm. So I took on those old habits and began to gain weight back and put another 45 pounds on my body. 
So it took me three years to release 25 of that 45 pounds just to get myself back moving and engaged. But what I realized was I had to walk myself through mirror work. So if you've ever heard of mirror work or mirror talk, uh, Louise Hay is credited for that, the late Louise Hay. I took it up another level. I often put it up on my Instagram stories because I love it where I would just do quiet meditation in the stillness and the darkness of the night with a candle and just in the mirror say, Allison, what I love about you is. Mm. Allison, I'm so proud that you. Allison, you are so worthy of. And when you do mirror work, you use a sentence prompt or stem like that, and then you fill in the end, seven, 10, 15 different endings, however you want, so that you invite that. So that introduced me to self-acceptance, and then I could step on any stage and feel very confident and feel assured. I also hired a stylist that could style me in a way where I felt really confident and very beautiful. I started having a makeup artist every time I went on a platform, and I wasn't trying to hide. I was just presenting better. And I find often that we won't present well when we don't feel well. So I, you know, and I find a lot of women that have come into this culture where they say, well, you just should accept me the way I am. Well, why should we accept you the way you are when you haven't accepted you the way you are? Because I know you don't love that about you. And I'm not saying that anyone that has weight doesn't love themselves. I love myself. I'm 225 pounds today. I love myself. And I feel very good in my skin. And what I know is I don't want to die of heart disease. I know that I don't want to lose a leg to diabetes. I know that I don't want to suffer inflammation. And I know that my calling is bigger than the shell that I've built because I was physically abused, because I've had men that said one thing, but then did another. And so I created a cave inside of myself that became safety. I'm done with that. I don't need that shell anymore, but I needed it for a season and it felt like a haven. And now I'm complete. So we've got to give ourselves permission to graduate out of old iterations of ourselves. And if that means gaining weight, releasing weight, moving our body differently, you know, having a surgery, a nip, a tuck, whatever that is, do whatever it takes for you to feel the best version of yourself so that you can bring your best gift to the world. Ah, So good. I literally want to just like put my arms up and say amen while you're talking. Oh, it's just so good. It's so true. Uh, I think we, as women, we do hold ourselves back so much. As you were speaking, I'm thinking these aren't things that men usually deal with. You know, it's not, they're not so worried about, not to say that they don't worry about their looks, but not as much as we get stuck with, Mm -hmm. I think. So I want to go back to money. So you've been through all this, you're doing personal development. I I see so many women out there who, um, aren't charging what they, what they should be charging. They're offering services. They are offering, um, like things they created courses for prices that are, in my opinion, just not enough, like your book, right? For, for however, $40 or whatever, they're not going to make money, but they feel like, uh, they just need to get it out there. Or maybe they think if they just give it away for free, that it'll help because they want to help people, but they're, scared to charge money. So how did you get past like charging more money, like going from that book and CD to charging $600 for your course? And what would you say to people about like charging their worth? Well, first, I don't think you can charge your worth. I think you can charge your value, 
right? So you've got to be clear on your value. And that's why I think business coaches are so imperative. I ran a business coaching business for years, uh, released that business in 2015. I was complete with that. But I think that business coaches help you do that. Um, And the first time that I charged someone $600 and they bought it, that was what I needed. That was the evidence that I needed. So I think that too many people lie in the cut in anticipation. Just get the win. Build on the achievement, right? And then I remember I had a coach. And this is why I think coaches are so valuable because there's something about having a coach that makes you go, I better do what they say. Like, it's kind of funny. You pay them, yeah. but then you feel beholding, like they're going to spank you like, yep. and not in a good naughty way, right? Like <laughs> Exactly. So I thought to myself, I said, okay, I want to charge more. And my coach challenged me. My coach said, what are you charging right now? And I said, $6.95. And they said, I think you can charge $7,500. It's a big jump. <laughs> That's a big jump. I said, who's going to buy that? Yep. I don't know anybody in my life. And she said, maybe they're not in your life. Mm. Maybe you need to go where they are. Mm. Now, I was completely new to manifestation. So I had no concept that I could manifest or draw or attract this in. Um, but thank God manifestation worked for me. I got a call from an organization, um, in Texas that said governor Rick Perry's wife was going to speak at a business woman, like a huge Texas woman's event. Anybody who remembers governor Rick Perry, him, people of color did not go hand in hand, but they were trying to kind of give like this notion that he was pro women and pro people of color. So they wanted someone to open. Well, they said, how much do you charge to speak? 7,500. <laughs> I said, uh, I charge. And I'm thinking to myself and I thought, can I say 7,500? Yeah. And I said, 5,000. Because I couldn't get yeah. it out of my mouth. This is so relatable I said 5, to people. 5,000. And they said, okay, we can't afford 75. I mean, we can't afford 5,000, mm-hmm. but we can pay you half of that. I called my coach. I said, they said they can pay half of that. She said, tell them you want to make up the other half in sales from stage. Ooh. Can you do that? And so I said, I want to make up the other half in sales from stage. They said, sure. She said to me, did they ask you how much? And I said, no. She goes, then you're going to sell 7,500 from stage. Oh, shoot. Amazing. This is why you need a coach. This is why you need a coach. This is why you need a coach. Yep. So I created a product. It was, uh, I can't even remember, maybe called, I don't know, Breakthrough or something like that. Something very simple. And I decided I was going to be brave, Danny. I said, I'm not charging 7,500. I'm going to charge 7,800. <laughs> Love it. I went to JCPenney. I got a brand new dress. I went to Nordstrom Rack. I think my dress was 39 bucks. I went to Nordstrom Rack. I got a pair of discounted Sam Edelman shoes. I still love Sam Edelman to this day. Got a pair of slingback heels. Put those on. Did my own hair and makeup, but I did go buy some new hair weave. Gelled my hair back 
put my baby hairs down on my forehead. Oh, you couldn't tell me nothing, okay? If Cardi B would have been around it, then I would have been like, oh, like I was ready, period, with a T, period, ready. Step out on the stage, and then I'm thinking as I'm talking, oh, snap, I got to make this offer. Oh, snap, I got to make this offer. Oh, snap. And then next thing I know, it says 10 minutes. Oh, left on the timer. I have not gotten to the offer. I said, so now here's what I know. And I begin to make the offer. I said, I have space for 10 women to say, yes, this is what it is. $7,800. This is what we're going to go through. Eight women paid in full. Unbelievable. Amazing. I left that event, got in my Ford Focus, <laughs> my G-Ride with my tinted windows. Oh, I did have them professionally tinted. Let's be clear. <laughs> I did have a spoiler on the back of it. Let's be clear. On a hatchback, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I called my mom and I said, in 48 hours, we're going out to eat because it takes 48 hours for it to clear, sure, right? Sure, So I said, in 48 hours, we're going out to eat. She said, I said, mom, we can go wherever you want to go. She said, I want to go to Papa Do's. I said, <laughs> yes, we're going to Papa Do's. So that was my first time. I made $62,000 wow. um, in that moment. And that was when I said to myself, what I've understood about money is not real. And I had worked for BlackBerry before that. I'd made about 115000 a year. Well, I'd made $62,000 in, in 10 minutes. Yep. So you mean to tell me, like, are you kidding me? So that's when I knew that there was a different conversation to be had with money. And I began to pursue that dialogue. And that shifted the trajectory of my message and who I am in the world. The Profit Accelerator from that point was born. Holy cow. It's such a good story. Um, I think what you did, like being brave, getting dressed up, going out there and going for it is incredible. The first thing when you said, uh, when you were going to say 7,500, you dropped it to five. I know so many people do that. They say they have their price, you know, it's there. And then right before they're going to say it, they go, well, I charge 5,000, but I'll just give it to you for, you know, 2,000. And like you drop it before you even get an answer, yeah. which is, which is really, really funny. And so I want to... I want to talk more By about the like way, your, yeah. you would never go to a Rolls Royce dealer. No. You would never go to a Bentley dealer. No. You would never go. And they go, oh, you know, it's a quarter of a million dollars, but we're going to drop it to a hundred for you. <laughs> right. Like that's never the case. And so you've got to think, are you um, a Porsche or are you a Toyota? Mm. You've got to ask yourself because a Toyota always has a negotiable price, but a Porsche is what it is. So you have to decide what you want to reflect. Even if you do have a super value price that you bring to the market, hold to that and be unapologetic in what you reflect to the world and they'll respect it. They will rise to meet you or you will stoop to meet them. Well, what do you say to the person who's like, 
but I live in a small town and nobody else charges this amount. Like, you know, I'm Sally, I live in Kansas City and nobody in my industry charges more than 75 an hour. So who am I to charge 150? I would say, look at, I can't think of her name right now, but she's the one who started the whole Magnolia brand out of Waco, Texas. Mm, I don't know who that is. Um, And she was on HGTV, uh, Joanna Gaines. Mm, Yep. Yep. Look at her. Look at where she was. I would say, look at Rachel. Uh, what's Rachel? Rachel Ray. No, Rachel. Um, oh, what's Rachel's name? Come on. We know it. Rachel. She has the collaboration right now with Target. She just did Oprah stage. She lives in Austin, Texas. Oh God. Um, now we got to look it up. I'm like we got to <laughs> like, now we got to look it up. Hold on. Cause we know her name. I, I'm really bad at any pop culture. Rachel Hollis. Oh, Rachel Hollis. Yeah. Yeah. So she had a collaboration with Target? Yeah. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. She has like this huge thing in, in oh, I guess, it's select wow. targets. It's amazing. Unbelievable. And so nobody was doing what Rachel was doing in Austin. So true. Yep. You know, look at Sarah Blakely. Yep. Nobody was doing that. Look at Kim Kardashian. Yep. Nobody was doing that. So I think your excuse is outdated. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to let go of that. And I think you need to think about, you know, I remember when I first decided to charge $100,000 to work with me. And I thought, who's going to charge that? And the coach that I had at the time said, you can pursue 10 people to pay you $10,000 and be pissed because you know you undercharged. Or you could spend the same time and energy to find the one that's willing to pay a hundred. Which one do you want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to take the same energy. I think about when I work out with my trainer and the weight gets too heavy and I just want to hold it. And my trainer says, it's the same energy to hold it as it is to use it. So which one are you going to do? So it's the same energy to discount as it is to charge what it is, the value that you bring to the market. So work with someone that helps you be so clear on the value you so that you get pissed the hell off when you don't charge it because you know what you're bringing to the table. The only time you're okay with it is if you're blissfully ignorant of the results that you produce. So if you stay there, then you'll stay small and so will your prices. So good. So good. I think a lot of people do go back to one of the things you said earlier was, I don't know who's going to pay that. You know, it's not the people I'm talking to and you got to find new people because the people that you're talking to are often your consumer. Mm -hmm. And so your consumer is your tertiary, which means they're the lowest base of potential clientele for you. So they're waiting for you to drop a free PDF. Mm -hmm. They're waiting for you to drop a free audio download. They're waiting for your next free masterclass. They're waiting for those things, but your secondary and your primary clients are waiting on you to articulate your value. Remember that marketing is a language of persuasion sales is a language of clarity. So you've got to have two different dialogues. Again, you've got to be coached to understand how to do that. So how do I persuade the market to even pay attention to me? The law of I am, write this down. People pay you first with their information. Then they pay you with their action. Then they pay you with their money. So that's why email list and text message opt-ins are so important, bot opt-ins, because people will give you their information first. You sprinkle value like confetti there. 
then they'll pay you with their action, which is they'll show up to something, whether that's a live event, either it's a live stream or an in-person, then they'll pay you with their money. So give people that progressive experience. And I think too many people are inviting folks on a coffee date and then expecting them to give up the booty. No, don't invite people on a coffee date and say, drop your drawers. You know what I mean? Like if you're inviting them on a coffee date, have a coffee date offer that is a right parallel experience and then ascend the client through your product mix. You said that as I'm drinking wine and I'm about to spray it all over the place. But it's it's so, so true. You know, we do talk about how, you know, when you are building a brand or building a company, it is like dating. You know, you can't just get somebody out and have them drop overnight. And I think yeah, sometimes I think that ex- feels like... I think that feels like all of, you know, many of us, depending on your sexual preference, but you know what it's like when somebody taps you on the lip in the morning and you're like, who taught you that was sexy? (laughs) Who taught you that I wanted that? I don't want that. (laughs) So you've got (laughs) to, you've got to make sure that your offer doesn't feel like a morning tap on the face, that it feels like a really great invitation to be intimate to be engaged, to be supported, to be held, however your offer is and however it evolves. You got to make sure it doesn't feel like that. Oh, so good. I want to stop and give a shout out to Beekeepers Naturals, today's episode sponsor. Beekeepers Naturals is an amazing company. And dare I say, am I allowed to talk about the coronavirus? on an ad. I don't know. But um, y'all, it's been going around. Obviously, it is the topic of all of the news. And Beekeepers Naturals has so many products that help with your immune system, boosting immune, um, reducing stress. And that's one of the things, obviously, we need to fight off any kind of infections. Now, I'm not saying this is a cure or anything to do with the coronavirus. It just is such a perfectly timed, I don't know, thing. So you guys go to beekeepersnaturals.com. Everything that they have is made from bees and bee products, honey, propolis, um, bee pollen, royal jelly, raw honey, all of the things. Um, What I'm talking about is the throat spray here. I've been using the throat spray religiously for the past, I don't know, eight weeks or more. It is great for immune immune system boosting, germ fighting, and there's a little spray even for kids. So you can send them off to school with it or keep it in your bag. I keep mine in my purse and I take four little sprays a day, immune defense, and I feel fantastic. So check it out. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com. Use the best life at checkout and you get 15% off. We want to thank them for sponsoring this episode. Okay. So since you've just gone there, um, I want to talk about being unapologetic because some people will hold back. They wouldn't even say those words. I love that you just went there. So we were talking a little bit earlier about being unapologetic. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? And how do you show up that way? Yeah, to me, being unapologetic means that you define who you are, right? And that's very difficult for a lot of people. They go, I... How am I supposed to define who I am? So this is the way that I like to say it. I like to say that when we're little, we are affirmed in our giftedness. They say, oh my God, Danny, you're such a great helper. Oh my God, Allison, you're such a good, you know, little talker, right? So by the time I was three, I was traveling to give speeches. 
I started my first entrepreneurial vision selling back to elderly free newspapers. And then my cousin told me that was unethical. And so we changed it to a delivery service. And so I made 25 cents per delivery, right? Yeah. And so I was affirmed very early in. That's your gifting. Then I believe from your gifting, you go into your purpose and your purpose is an inside job. A lot of people think your purpose is external, like it's what you're meant to do in the world. No, it's what you're meant to understand about who you are. Mm. So when you can understand who you are, then that makes you sturdy and unwavering because you know I am and you can fill in the blank. The most powerful sentence is I am. And whatever you fill in after it. So if you say, I am a liar, that is how you will show up. If someone's been reciting that to you, you've got to stop them from reciting that. I recently got into a not so positive engagement with an employee that we were releasing from our team. And they got ready to say some things. And I said, listen, you are able to speak your truth. I would love for you to, but you're not going to speak over me, what's not real. And you're not going to say to me, you are, and give me the, you know, you're not going to fill in the blank with something that I'm not. So you've got to be willing to stop people from saying I I am, or you are, and filling that in. That's not real. You've got to hold the candle for who you truly are. So the other thing that I believe is really important is once we go from understanding, this is our gift, this is my purpose. So my gift is externally affirmed. My purpose is internally understood. Next comes out my contribution. So now here's my gift. Here's my purpose. Now I'm willing to go into the world with the overflow. From my contribution comes my greatness. If Oprah never would have known she was gifted to speak and then affirmed herself internally. She never would have started the talk show, which was her contribution. And now we know her greatness, which is one of the most dynamic ripples in the world. So I would say to anyone that's waiting to be unapologetic, what line are you in? Mm -hmm. Are you in an invisible line waiting your turn? Because no one's in front of you. The fact that you wake up every day means you have an assignment that is now nobody's waiting for you and you're not waiting for anyone unless you assign yourself that. So give yourself permission to say, I'm necessary now. I'm an unrepeatable miracle. The world is over ready for me and I'm going to bring my giftedness. I understand my purpose. My contribution is right on time and my greatness is inevitable. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) you like you're saying these things so powerfully with so much conviction, but I feel like there's many women on here that are like, yes, Allison, but I don't have that kind of confidence. I hear you saying the purpose comes within, but I don't know how to tap into that. How do I get? Yeah, I didn't have it either. I mean, I remember walking into Toastmasters at 19 years old and getting ready to give a speech like, you know, my hands shaking, my knees knocking, but I'm going to say this, you know, if P ain't running down your leg, you aren't playing big enough. Like if you sign up to be a private client with me, I am probably going to ship you a package of depends because I'm going to say it's time, boo, it's time. 
time. I'm going to send you some Depends and I'm going to probably ship you some Dior or Fendi sunglasses and I'm going to say, your future is so bright. Are you ready? Oh, but you got to be willing to smell a little stank like some urine because you're going to be peeing all the way through this journey. So I think we got to stop being afraid of the messy middle oh and we got to know that we can just shower the urine smell off. Like just pee on yourself, get through it. It's all good. You can do it, girl. <laughs> I want you to be my coach forever for life. I <laughs> love this so much. I just have so many visuals and <laughs> so good. It's so, I'm like, I'm just in here. It depends with Fendi's on, you know, <laughs> it's a good, I should do an Instagram photo with that. Right. <laughs> oh amazing. my God. You're like, your future's bright, but first you got to shit your pants. A few Listen, times. <laughs> you've got to. And I think that too many people are way too tidy mm. about their pursuit toward greatness. Mm -hmm. It's messy. It's uncomfortable. Do you know, in one of my most progressive seasons, my mother ascended, which we say in my family instead of passed away, the guy that I was dating slept with someone that I thought was one of my greatest friends. Um, and then when I look back at that time, I think to myself, how did my heart survive? How did I keep myself together at all? And that wasn't something I was going on podcast telling people. That wasn't a story I was proclaiming from the stage. Like you too can get through like Jim Carrey's. Yes, man. Yes, man. Hell no. I was in the bottom of the shower with the water running over me. And I was crying and praying and saying, God, why me? How could someone do this to me? And then yelling at my mother, how could you leave me? How could you think I would be okay? Yeah. You know, and so that's what life looks like. And those are moments where you live through them. You can't spanx over those moments. You can't push up bra over those moments. You can't put makeup, even derma blend over those moments. You got to just be in it and you got to be ugly. You got to be in your sweats. You got to be in your t-shirt with no bra, boobs just swinging everywhere so low they tying up your shoes, all of that. All of that happens, but then you got to say one day, I will rise up. Mm. And that rising is what makes you unapologetic. So whatever you've been through is actually the story of your breakthrough. And so for many people, they think that the messiness was meant to paralyze them and it was actually meant to be the message that would propel them forward. So to anyone listening, I would say, find your rise and find the support that gets you to that rise. I have clients that are bipolar. I have clients that um, have suffered massive post-traumatic syndrome. I have clients that have gone through extreme poverty and abuse situations. And guess what? That means they're in therapy sometimes two to three days a week. But guess what else? They're making hundreds of millions of dollars and they're effectuating change across the world because they will not give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't count yourself out. Count yourself in and make us pay attention to you. Love it. I was just at Brendan uh, Burchard's yesterday, uh, an event, and he was saying 
have you used this to break you down or build you up? Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, we have all these things happen to us and we could use it as an excuse to say, well, life beat me down. Or we can say all of these things happened so that I could serve more, so that I could understand, so that I can achieve. So I really, really love that. Um, I want to know a little bit about this Amazon Prime deal you got going on. What is that? I saw some some uh, Facebook posts. It looks really fun. It's so nice. I'm really honored to be able to be a part of it. Uh, I got a call from one of my mentors who has been incredible in my life. Um, and he was a senior executive for Disney and then for the Ritz Carlton and then launched his own work and a best-selling author. And he said, listen, um, I got a call about a new show that's coming out and Amazon along with Delta United, like all these independent spaces where television is happening. They're, uh, bringing in conscious messaging and they wanted to bring in this conscious messaging. And he said, I recommended you, would you be interested? And I said, Oh my God, when? And he's like, it's in a week and a half. <laughs> Naturally, <laughs> you know? And so I said, well, Yes. So I've learned always say yes and then figure it out later. So I got the format and they wanted it TED Talk style. Um, I get there to the location and I've forgotten my clothes on the back of the door. So I have nothing to wear for the filming. So when you guys see it, it hasn't been released yet. You're going to notice they only show the top half of me because I literally ran to Banana Republic and bought a sweater. <laughs> and just was like, and I had on like old pants and sneakers at the bottom. <laughs> I love it. But that's a definite, you know, that's purely me being non-negotiable. Like there's no way this is not happening because the night before I knew that I'd forgotten my clothes. I could have spent all day at Saks trying to figure it out and make the perfect whatever. But I said, my greatest responsibility is to the message and it's to the millions of people that will get their breakthrough because I showed up. And so I can either get the sweater and tell them film from the top up or I can and deliver a powerful message and be rested and feel amazing. Or I can be exhausted, get there and look epic and then have nothing to say of meaning and value. And I chose that I was just going to rock my little Banana Republic 90 bucks sweater, whatever. And I'm really grateful because I share some of the most intriguing stories about how I curated my relationship with success. And I'm excited. I don't want to spoil what the story is. I will tell you my episode is 16 minutes. It's a worthy 16 minutes. And Danny, I never thought that the little girl that saw my dad in prison when I was four, I remember seeing the jail doors close and waving by daddy. I never thought that the little girl that walked into an apartment with my mother and my sister, blood on the walls, and the manager saying, oh, we'll paint over that. Do you want it? I never thought that the little girl that stood up in church and said my speech 
Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And I never thought that that little girl would be who I am today. But she rose through circumstances. She rose through betrayal. She rose through abandonment. She rose through judgment and name calling. I remember a little boy telling me, I told him, you're going to be my boyfriend. And he said, I can't be your boyfriend. You're a fat girl. I don't date fat girls. I said, you're going to date this fat girl. (laughs) And he was my boyfriend for three years. We're still friends on Facebook today. Shout out to Wade. What up, Wade? I said, oh, you're going to be mine. Oh, I love it. Like, I, I got it. sales skills. That's mani- I'm going to enroll yep. you. That's sales. That's manifestation right there. Oh, my God. And I rose through that. And I am who I am today because life doesn't get to tell me what to do. I get to tell life. I came here to be a difference maker. The same way Mother Teresa did. The same way Martin Luther King did. The same way that we look up today and Elon Musk does. Warren Buffett does, Jay-Z does, Beyonce does, Ariana Huffington, Sheryl Sandberg, Gary Vaynerchuk, the list goes on and on. We have enough examples of the underdog rising that anyone listening right now that is sunken in a place of your shadow of uncertainty, what I say to you is rise. Even if the first place you can rise is to your knees. Mm. Even if that's the first place, then rise to your knees, do a back bend, you know, do a little, you know, do a little lean in, do a little stretch and say one little affirmation that just says, I am enough. I am worthy. Sometimes we can't even pray to God because we don't even know that God exists because our circumstances have deteriorated our faith and injured our belief in such incredible ways. And that's okay. Just fill in one sentence Just get one person of support. Just go to one meetup group. Just listen to one podcast like this and then build from there. So good. I want to talk to you all night. I have so many things. Um, But I do want to uh, respect your time. I want to ask one question we always ask. Yeah. So this is the Best Life podcast. And what does the best life look like to you? What is Allison Bird's best life? Mm-hmm. My best life today looks like taking care of my nephew's tuition for his preparatory academy. My best life today uh, looks like when my mother ascended without life insurance that I could write that check. Mm My best life looks like I woke up this morning and my first intention was my health. I ate a boiled egg, turkey bacon, um, gluten-free toast, worked out with my trainer for an hour, and then did a three-mile walk. My best life looks like I went on an app, hired a cleaner to come clean my house, found out she wasn't a cleaner, found out she was a professional that was down on her luck, that was just taking gigs to put food on the table for her kids. I found out she was homeless. I found out she was living in a one-room 
Airbnb with her special needs daughter and her two-month-old newborn son. My best life looks like, I said, I want to take care of your living expenses through the rest of the year. I also want to hire you to do work until I move. My best life looks like three months later, she just signed a contract to be a full-time team member for my tech company. So good. So my best life looks like that it's bigger than me. It's about the ripple. It's bigger than the four walls that I live in. It's bigger than do I have a luxury home? Am I in a gated community? Do I have a car with air-conditioned seats that I love? It's bigger than that. Do I have a red-bottom shoe? My best life looks like we put shoes on the feet of kids in Cambodia. We build homes and schools for uh, families in need and children in need of education in Africa. My best life looks like the backpacks that we fill every year for school supplies. And my best life looks like when I take my nieces and nephews to shop and I say, look at that total. You are so deserving of everything that we just picked out for you. We wanted you so badly on this earth and it's our responsibility as the adults in your life to provide for you. My best life looks like Danny that I look in the mirror and even though I have some illegal mergers, meaning my tummy and my thighs kind of come together in a way that they shouldn't. If I, if I miss my day of wax, I might have a forest fire between my legs from the rubbing together, you know? And my best life looks like that I stand in the mirror and I say, you're beautiful, Allison. Your caramel skin is beautiful. Your thighs are beautiful. Your breasts are beautiful. You're lovely. You're lovable. You're wanted. That's what my best life looks like. My best life looks like my mother chose her ascension. And Lord knows that day I wanted to go right behind her. And my best life looks like five years later. My life is bigger than ever. And I live in honor of her legacy, reflecting a good, godly woman to the world. That's my best life. Sitting here crying now. Uh, thank you so much. Um, so, so, so good. I love that all those things are just so much bigger, so much bigger. And I think you've challenged me to think bigger. And I hope that our listeners as well get that. Um, where can people find you and get this inspiration all the time from you? And when can we see the Amazon Prime? How do we find Allison Bird everywhere? Yeah. So I love the gram. I think the gram is so good. And I'm always bringing you guys into other parts of my world from the gram. So follow me at I am Allison Bird. So let me just tell you, Allison, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, Bird, B-Y-R-D. So I am Allison Bird. Most powerful sentence you can fill in is I am. Fill that in. I would encourage everyone, Allison means truth. Octavia means royalty, my middle name. Bird means messenger. I'm a messenger of your truth. I'm a messenger of your royalty, your abundance, your birthright of greatness. I encourage everyone, know the meaning of your name because it tells you why you're here. It tells you your life assignment. It's so imperative in my third book, Danny, I write about the fact that my dad murdered someone 
in self-defense, which is why he went to prison, married my mother under an alias. That alias last name was Bird. I'm the only one in my family with that name, but it also means messenger. And I'm the only one in my family with this voice and this declaration. Know your name, know your value, know your worth, and the market will respond to the clarity that you have when you look in the mirror. So good. Everyone be following her. I am Allison Bird. We'll get all the news from you. Uh, now I need to look up my last name. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if it means anything. <laughs> oh my gosh, we appreciate you so much. Thank you. And Thanks I, for having me. I cannot wait to have uh, everybody hear this. And you guys, I know we will tag Allison and we'll see you on the next episode.